Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another edition of Believe in the Press Road. Jonah Siegel here in Seattle. It is a post Oscar Monday morning. Uh, I watched the entire show tape to tape, as they say. And I am really excited to welcome uh, John Shannon into Believe in the Press Row. John, how are you this morning? Great, John. I watched uh, last night too. So uh, now, uh, come on now. Let's get your uh, let's get your picks here. What's uh, what you think? Were you happy? Did you like the show? I thought the show was okay. I actually thought it was one of the least offensive, if you will, and I put offensive in in parentheses. It was the least bothersome. There was nothing. It didn't go stupidly long. None of the speeches. Well, one of the speeches, which was very predictable, kind of went out there. Uh, I didn't see Renee's well, Zellweger as a potential uh, wingnut, if you will. But I actually thought it was pretty good. How about yourself? You, you didn't? Did you see her speech at the Screen Actors Guild? I did not. C- come on. This was, I mean, uh, this was right on script for me, for her. I, see, I, so. I, I did not see that. I think it's the first. Did she win an award when she was in um, with Tom Cruise? Um, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, did she win an award for that? Yeah, she sure did. So I guess I'd, I guess I'd been warned before then. Uh, I thought the show was pretty good. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was fine. I, I, you know, I mean, uh, you're never going to win doing award shows, trust me. And you're never going to, you're never going to win when you have uh, hundreds of millions of people watching and keyboards at their uh, disposal. So, uh, and I, I thought, uh, you know, I, I am not a rap guy, but I'll tell you what. I thought Eminem was fantastic last night. It was great to see. Yeah, to me, there were, as, as somebody in their 40s, I thought there were two highlights, 2.5 highlights. The entire Parasite thing in itself gives me the half highlight. Like, seeing people who are genuinely that appreciative, excited, proud, um, you can't help but not like that. So that's the half. I mm-hmm. thought, I thought uh, the Steve Martin opening was awesome i thought that was terrific him and chris rock i think did a really good job of uh, warming the audience up if you will and then i agree with you i thought eminem was unbelievable yeah no it was uh, it was good uh, you know we uh, we finally found out what bernie Topin looks like though so that's yes. good too <laughs> i uh, i love elton john i've seen him live numerous times i did not like that movie at all um, but I thought that was one. Of you the- you didn't know? No, I, I thought it was because I know I, his story. It just kind of went out there so far from the truth that I don't know. Well, you just you you watched it on too many airplanes. That's your problem. Exactly. I yeah. did. I me, did me too. Did you watch Parasite? I haven't. You know what? I haven't seen it yet. It's uh, it's uh, sitting here on my playlist, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it's one of the. I did not see that one. I saw most of the others. Um, I thought I thought the results were. I, I mean, listen, Parasite to me was a shock. I didn't think uh, a foreign film would win, but it did. So good on that. Anyways, uh, oh, you I, mean we this is not a full a full podcast on the Oscars? Oh, we could go there if you really want, but I don't. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what I like, and there's there's no artistic value in that whatsoever. Okay. Uh, so I am really thrilled to have you join us today. Um, for, the, for those of you, if you're turning in, you're not tuning in just to hear me, uh, you know this, but I am not sure 
there is a person alive who knows more about the business of broadcast media and hockey specifically than John Shannon. Uh, been doing this for 40 plus years, I believe. Is that the right number, John? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I, I got my first paycheck uh, in this business in uh, September of 1976. I was four. So thank you very uh, much. Thank you for that, John. I'm only. Uh, by the way, I'm only coming on because uh, on your media website uh, here in Toronto, I have been in the top banner for how many years? Ever. Yes. So that's the only reason I'm coming on. So do you know? Do you know why? Do you know why that is? Because Bob's reading your website in the screen. Because, yes. And do you know, like, the only reason I have that photo is the number of times some random caller would call into the show and ask him on air about the website. And he goes, oh, really? what, what, and what website, what website are you talking about? <laughs> and and if, I'm, I don't know if you follow me. Back in the early days, uh, I used to post every day the afternoon live lineups so people could pick what they wanted to listen to on the way home. So mm -hmm. uh, he was going up against Bill Waters at the time. So both stations would give me around noon, barring last minute changes, who was on that day. Um, and he always denied knowing of the existence of the site. And then somebody sent me in that picture. I was like, oh, I got to use this. Like there's nothing more telling than that. Uh, that that picture is of the old um, studio at 333 uh, Blur Street, uh, not not where the uh, studio is now. So that's a long time ago. I look very good in that one. I thought <laughs> I looked, I, I looked spry and young in that picture. I was excellent. So going back just for a second, uh, honestly, I, I you've worked on the network side, on the league side, on the team side, like. Mm -hmm. um, of the three, what were your favorites, if any? Oh, uh, listen, uh, I was fortunate enough from 1994 to 2000 to be the executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada uh, at a time before digital. So it was a simpler world. Uh, a time before every game was televised of the, at that point, 1,230 regular season games in the NHL. That was as good a job as anybody could ever have. It was uh, fun. It was, you had power. You had influence. Um, you made a difference to people. Uh, and you felt every week that you were going to be telling stories and doing games that everybody who wanted to watch hockey wanted to watch. And it was, it was, there is no comparison. There's no comparison of anything that I've done to those six years uh, as executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada. So were you with Hockey Night in Canada during the, for the infamous Dave Hodge pencil throw? No, no, that's a, that's an interesting story. I, 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 I was kind of on the outside looking in. Uh, I had been fired by Hockey Night the year before, uh, because I actually worked for the show twice in my career. Uh, I had been fired the year before in, in uh, June of, May or June of 86. So this is now, um, I think, March of 87. 
Uh, and I mean, I know, I know we got a podcast. I know that we're supposed to have limitless time, but uh, this was a really complex day this Saturday in Canada. Um, and the Briar, which uh, the Canadian Curling Championship, was on in Edmonton, and the CBC had carried the Briar semifinals, including one with Bernie Sparks from British Columbia. And they went off the air before they threw the final rock because it was a three-hour window, and they had to go to news, and news wins at the CBC at that point. Well, that really ticked off a ton of viewers, including Mr. Hodge, who was sitting at Maple Leaf Gardens in the, in the client room watching. Uh, and then a similar thing happened to him that night when at 5-2, to two, uh, the Leaf game had ended at 5-2, to two, Philadelphia-Montreal was in the third period. And in order to fill to 11 o'clock, you go to the other game. So the producer uh, decided to go to the other game. And next thing you know, the Flyers scored three quick goals, including a goal by Scott Mellenby. Um, and the irony of that is, is that Scott's father, Ralph, was the longtime executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada a pre the previous decade. So there's this, the TV influence never, never got lost on me with that. So Scott Mellenby scores the 5-5 goal. They go to commercial before overtime. And on the national network, they come back to Dave and Dave says, well, hold on, we're going to, we got to go to the game, right? No, we're not allowed to. We can't go past 11 o'clock. I'm sitting in my house in Calgary uh, after having done part of the briar that week for TSN. And now I watch Hodge unfold this thing, throw the pen. Um, and 20 minutes later, my phone rings and it's Hodge. And he says, you got a job for me? <laughs> and I said, I, I said, as a matter of fact, I do. Uh, because I had just been hired by Global Television, who had purchased and done a, a, a production deal with Carling O'Keefe uh, to buy out CTV on their rights. And I got hired as the producer for that, of, that show, which was going to start in the playoffs. And so that Saturday night, Hodge phoned me. He, had, he basically had got up from his chair at the gardens put his briefcase uh, uh, under his uh, arm, put his jacket on, walked from Maple Leaf Gardens all the, all the way down to the Harbor Castle Hotel, the Westin, down at the lake, uh, because he was living in Vancouver at the time, uh, and, and then phoned. And so it was 10 o'clock Calgary time. The phone rang. Yes, Dave, I do have a job for you. So did he start? Did he? I don't remember. Did he roll right into another gig? Oh, well, he, uh, he, he, part of the thing was, and I, you should probably have Dave on to tell him to have his side of the story. My interpretation has always been that, uh, he got suspended. Uh, and when he said, well, hold on, my contract says I work every Saturday night. And if you're suspending me, that's breach of contract. So they came to some resolution that, uh, he was done. Ron McLean had been already hired to fill in some nights where Dave wasn't working because of his Vancouver commitments. Uh, and so, yes, Dave started uh, working uh, in the uh, uh, Stanley Cup semifinals for global television uh, with the Edmonton Oilers Detroit Red Wings uh, playoff series. I, I had no memory of that whatsoever. That's <laughs> Yeah, but how old were you? Come on. What year did you say? 87. So I was 15. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you were a Leaf fan, and the Leafs were, what were they doing then? Not much, I guess, huh? No, I don't think so. Um, 
So I read somewhere that um, you, you were responsible for um, Ron McLean getting his first hockey gig. Is that true? Yep. Yeah. So uh, 84, uh, I was running a hockey night in Canada for the West, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver. Um, and for everybody who's young that's listening said Winnipeg didn't have a team by then. Yes, they did. Winnipeg had a team there starting in 79. Um, so, uh, I was responsible for the West, uh, and TSN was starting up and we lost our, our regular Wednesday host in Calgary, by a guy named Jim Van Horn, who went on to great things at TSN and still works in the industry, uh, in his, uh, senior years. Uh, and we need, we were in need of a host and, and, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a radio and TV aholic. I love watching. I love listening. Uh, and, uh, Ron was, uh, the weatherman, uh, on television in Red Deer. Uh, and I would, you know, flick the dial at six o'clock on a boring day and end up on Red Deer television, watching this guy basically never do the weather, have doodles on his map have, uh, you know, football helmets or hockey pucks or hockey sticks and him telling stories, doing the weather at the same time. And I thought he was really creative. So the, the day that uh, Van Horn announced that he was uh, leaving, I, uh, I phoned the Red Deer radio station or TV station and uh, said, Ron, I'd like to come and meet you. So I was ha- happening to be going to Edmonton on a trip. So I drove from Calgary to Edmonton and stopped in Red Deer and had lunch with Ron. And I guess the rest is history. Well, Canada is uh, very pleased that you didn't grow up and you weren't in Toronto at the time. Otherwise I think we'd have whoever used to do Buffalo news telling us about fires in North Tonawanda. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, the, 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 the greatest thing of my career, I, I talk about the time at hockey night and I, I, and I do really love living in Toronto. I think, uh, I'm a, I was born in British Columbia, but if, if you're in the hockey industry and the TV industry in this country, uh, being in Toronto is so important. But uh, the best career move I ever made was moving back west in 1980 to, to, to be part of Hockey Night and Canadian Sports Network and, uh, in western Canada when Calgary and Edmonton were so good, Winnipeg was good, and even Vancouver got to a Stanley Cup final in 1982. So moving back west and being part of that and being part of the startups that were out there was a real blessing for me you're listening to believe in the press roads jonah siegel with hockey broadcast guru john shannon joining me from toronto um so i believe we're now bro i don't know four or five months since um that fateful saturday night when uh i actually was in toronto for the night and Hockey night in Canada was on, and uh, Don Cherry took to his pulpit, and all hell broke loose. Uh, were you watching that night live? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, I don't miss a Saturday. And what was your reaction? Oh, I knew there was something there. I knew he, I knew the, the phrase, you people, uh, would irk uh, many. Um, I didn't know how quickly it would fester. Uh, but again, as we talked about earlier, the power of social media would, would make it fester quicker. Uh, and, and then 
once that occurred and then everything that happened after that, you, you knew it was just a matter of time. And so do you think some people have suggested to me that they're of the belief that they were just waiting for that moment and this was very convenient. Do you think that's true? No, no, I, I, I think that, uh, I think Bart Yabsley, who's the president of Sportsnet, and a, a big wheel within the, the Rogers broadcast world, I think he had enough respect for Don. Uh, I think it was a very difficult time for him. Um, you know, knowing Bart, I know I think I know Bart well. I think it was a very hard decision, and but but Bart had a new boss in Jordan Banks, who's running Rogers Media. Uh, who came from the outside world, outside of hockey, outside of broadcasting, um, from the social media side. And I, I think there was, there was corporate pressures. Um, there was pressure from above. And I think Bart was, Bart was put in a, a, a tough spot as well. And uh, I think he tried to handle it as well as he could. I, I do know Don. I do know that Don wouldn't. Uh, apologize in the in the normal sense uh you're, you're too young to you're too young to remember the tv show happy days no i'm not but 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 do, do you remember the, the the episodes where fonzie used to have to remember have to admit he was wrong and he couldn't say the word and he couldn't say the word that's don and i love don don is one of my dearest friends but don would never ever say that he was wrong <laughs> And so it, it was just a, it was just a, the perfect storm uh, in a very difficult circumstance. Uh, I feel, I feel really bad for Don. Terrible. Uh, I, I felt bad for, uh, I felt bad for Bart too. Uh, it was a, it was a tough position for uh, lots of people who don't understand Don, do understand Don, don't understand the business. Um, it, it was a very difficult situation. So if you were at Hockey Night at the time, what would you have done? Okay, so uh, uh, by the way, that week, and, and you, were, you were one of them, uh, that week I turned down 65 interviews uh, simply because I didn't want to be part of the story. I wasn't part of the story. Uh, I, 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 there was, my opinion at that point didn't count. Um, so the, the only thing I would say is, and, and I, I don't want to make it come across that, that, uh, my ego is bigger than it is, but that would have never happened. Um, how you manage Dawn is to me, one of the great challenges and with, without compromising what he wants to say and what the show needs to reflect. Um, and I, I just, I, I don't think they talked it through well enough with Don. Uh, and I'm talking on a regular basis. You know, sit down, have a coffee on a Thursday. Uh, what are you going to talk about? How do you manage situations? Why, for the second week in a row, did they do the salute to soldiers? Why? Why did they do it two weeks in a row? Because they did do it two weeks in a row, um, I just I, I just think that uh, Don was was left uh, to his own devices, 
um, and, and didn't receive enough, in my opinion, internal support to say, hey, listen, let's go this way. Let's go. Let, let's talk this through. How do we want to do it? Um, and, and so my answer is, how would I have handled it? My answer, quite frankly, is it would not have happened. So let me ask you a more technical question then, because it has been suggested to me by many that the segment is often taped. No, on the, on this Saturday night. So so here, here so this is going to be really boring for lots of people. No, it's so this this is all this podcast. It's not boring. This is what they listen to. <laughs> the, the system is all based now on servers. You know, there are multiple servers at, at and the CBC. The CBC, by the way, is one of the great broadcast buildings in the world. They have done a magnificent job at the broadcast center of making sure that it's always state of the art. So what happens is, is the coach's corner used to run in the first show that went to the first period, went to the first intermission. So if there are three games, one in Ottawa, one in Montreal, one in Toronto, uh, and the Ottawa game ended first, coach's corner ran in the Ottawa game first. 30 seconds later, the Montreal game ends the period. Toronto game ends the period a minute later. They all run subsequently only 30 to 40 seconds later. There's no way, there is no way that once they decide the show is on the air in Ottawa, that it can be pulled in that short time period in Toronto or in Montreal. There's no chance. It cannot happen. Um, so it is almost, for all intents and purposes, live once. And then the turnaround occurs uh, within minutes, within seconds sometimes, via server for the other two early shows. So I, there's, I mean, anybody who is espousing, well, they shouldn't have run it in the other shows because they knew it was bad. First of all, I don't think they knew it was bad or that at bad. the time. Or that bad at that time, correct? Uh, and they just wouldn't have had time to react. There would, what would you have put there? I mean, <laughs> you can't just run black, <laughs> or 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 uh, now you're showing your age or color bars. You're not. There's no way. There's no way. Once it went started, it had to go. No, the it had to run in the others. The suggestion was that. There are some nights where it's taped in advance and then run. That doesn't. No, that, that hasn't happened in years. Okay. Has not happened in years. We, we used to do it in my time at Hockey Night, and I, I'm sure a few years after that, when Joel Darling or Shirley Najak ran the show, um, I'm sure it was. But that I guarantee you that has not happened in a decade. Okay. Uh, the, and, and I'll tell you what, we used to, and, and we would try, it, we would tape it, so we could distribute it to the other master controls uh, who were running games. Um, and there were a couple of times we'd say, Donna didn't like, let's do it again. But I'll tell you, they were far and few, few and far between. That didn't happen very often. And only once, and only once did we actually bleep something out uh, when, uh, when I didn't like what he said about a certain player. He said, I think he sucks. <laughs> and I said, I said, uh, I, I said, you can't say that on TV. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bleep it. Well, you can't bleep me. I said, I can do anything I want. So I bleeped it and it actually made it much more effective. And he thought it was cool in the end. So, so the week after Ron McLean uses that uh, segment, 
I'm not sure if it's to fall on his sword or to apologize, whatever you want to call it. What do you think of that? Um, it was what it was. That was taped, I think, probably at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I had a complete endorsement from management. Uh, I do think it was Don, Ron trying to talk directly to Don uh, to try to uh, uh, bridge some bridge the relationship again. Uh, I think Ron was painted into a very difficult spot too. And I think Ron painted himself into a difficult spot. Um, and I Why you say that well, because I, I, I think, I think that all from the, from the Sunday show, well, first of all, from his involvement on the, on the, on the previous Saturday, where I don't think he heard a word Don said. I don't think he heard a word Don said. I think he just acknowledged and said, okay, I'm getting on to my next topic. I think he's tired. You know, the sat, the Sunday show is really important to, to, uh, to Ron, uh, as it should be, cause he's done a magnificent job with it. So there are times that he trusts Don to, he trusted Don to do his job and then he would just nod and go on to the next topic. And, uh, you know, I think he heard, I think he'd heard the poppy story enough times that, <laughs> um, that uh, that he he just nodded and went on to the next topic, and uh, which and 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 so I, I think there was a you know a whole confluence of things happening, um, and then the forcing Ron to go on the air and apologize for Don. Um, you know, Ron is a friend of mine too, but that bothered me. He should not have apologized for Don. He should have, he should apologize for himself, but not for Don. That's not the way. I don't, I, I don't think that's the way Don would have wanted it or wanted it. And I haven't talked to either of them about it. It's to my opinion. So by by the following Saturday, with all the stuff that was in the media and you know the the Joe Warmington stuff uh, in the Toronto Sun, which was fueling a lot of this. Um, but that's from Don, don't you believe? Well, probably, probably. I'm listen. I'm not saying it was wrong. I, I'm just saying there was a reality that Joe Warmington was fueling it. Yep, I agree. You know, I, I know. I hey, and by the way, if if Bob and I were on at four o'clock on Monday, what do you think we would have talked about? Well, you would have looked very stupid if you weren't talking about it. That's for sure. That's right. That's right. So, and and it would have dominated all week as it did. So by Saturday, and and listen, Ron is one. Ron is such a a, a good person. Ron is uh, Ron is as genuine as it comes. Um, I, I I believe that this has been a really very difficult period for Ron. Uh, he'll try to put up a front, but I I, I believe he's struggled with a lot of things, um, and. Uh, and so by the following Saturday, it was, it was almost, uh, you know, it was like one of those Australian bushfires. It was almost out of control. Do you think, or do you know if the two of them are speaking, Ron and Don? Don't know. I don't know. I've, I, I, the, only, the only way I would have followed it, I've, I've listened to a couple of podcasts, um, one that Don did and one that Ron did, and they both said they don't talk. So that's the only way I would, uh, I, I would do it. And there, there's been a history of people that work very closely together who, once they leave the studio, aren't friends. 
I suspect that Ron and Don were not that, that they actually were pretty tight outside the pieces as well. I, I don't think so. I think they had a routine. I, I think they probably had a conversation once during the week. I know they had a conversation every Saturday morning um, for years uh, and then would get together. And, uh, but it was, uh, but I, I'm not sure there was much socializing between uh, the couples. Okay. Don and Luba and and Carrie and Ron, um, uh, and I'm 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 certain that they didn't see much of each other in the summer times. Okay. Um, one last question on hockey night. I th for now, um, I think they've actually done a. I think they did the right thing. Uh, a lot of people assume that Brian Burke was going to be thrown into that slot, which I thought would have been tremendously unfair to him and the wrong thing to do. Um, I think they've actually done a pretty good job of filling the space appropriately. What do you think? Uh, that's one I'm not going to touch. Okay. Because uh, if they want my ideas, they can phone me. <laughs> they got my number. Fair enough. Um, and by the way, that's the same answer I've been giving uh, to everybody uh, since the Cherry event. Uh, and they say, how would you fix hockey night? And I says, if they want me to fix hockey night, they can phone me. Gotcha. Point well taken. Uh, we all like 20% off, John. And uh, for our <laughs> listeners and, and you to the extent that you want, uh, I have a good deal for you. Um, I am told that this, this is supposed to be a pubic service announcement brought to you by manscaped.com. A brand new trimmer, best of the market, third generation. The Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase. It features the leading cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Optional millions... Oh, sorry. Millions of people are about to, to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. It is all the rage, apparently, I am told. Um, I love, I love these, the, these ads that I get to do. Uh, but today, and uh, today only, oddly enough, but... I don't know when anyone's listening to this. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code word BLEAV. As always, your balls will thank you. Um, you know, I used, to give, uh, I used to give Ron McLean heck for using too many puns. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, I am not touching that commercial. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, so let, let's stick with, with hockey night just for a second. Um, this deal that, that was signed, uh, n none of the principals are still around. Um, has no, no, there's one, there's one guy around. Who's that? Gary Bettman. He's on the league side. Oh, okay. He's oh. the one, <laughs> he's, he's the one accepting the checks, not signing them. Right. Yeah. Um, that deal has led to besides lots of conversations and, and perhaps um, Canadian business school case studies, uh, it's led to a lot, a, lot of, a lot of heartache, a lot of job loss, a lot of changes. Um, I, hope, I, I hope you can answer this. What, what's your, if you were grading the deal, uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Um, well, if you're a viewer, and you want to watch a lot of hockey, I think it's a B. If you're Rogers, 
and you wanted to control the marketplace, I think it's a B plus. Um, I, I think that they've, you know, the, the, the original goal was to shut out, one of the original goals was to shut out TSN and Bell from national games. That was the whole goal. Uh, you know, that if you sat with Keith Pelly and said, what are we trying to do is we're trying to corner the market, you know, the league, uh, and, and the guy that was a, much of the architect of it from the league side was a guy named John Collins, who was the chief marketing officer, uh, always talked about a gatekeeper. Why are we dealing with multiple networks when we should deal with one and then create opportunities for them and, and partner with them? Um, uh, so from from that perspective, uh, I don't think it's been as terrible a failure as a lot of people think it has from the point of view of game distribution. There are more games viewed now in Canada on television than ever before. Um, and if you're a pure hockey fan, then that's a bonus. Some would argue, Jonah, some would argue, maybe there's too much hockey uh, in the package over the air or uh, on cable without uh, on a national basis. Um, but you know, if you, if you like, if you like hockey, you get a chance to see more games than ever before in the history of Canadian television uh, on the national deal. So uh, I don't know how I, I mean, that to me is, that was one of the goals from, from the beginning when, when the idea came up. Right. The other goal was to get stinking rich. Uh, the other goal was to turn a, turn a, a really big profit. Yes. Yeah. But um, the, the one lesson learned in all of this was, in the end, uh, you can talk about ratings all you want, but if you have L's before you have W's with the teams you're banking on, then you're going to have a problem. You know, I, 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 and, and this is nothing new. Um, you know, if the Maple Leafs don't make the playoffs, if Montreal doesn't make the playoffs, if Vancouver doesn't make the playoffs or are eliminated in the first round, it's going to be a long spring. It's going to be a long spring. Because and we, because the deal gets more expensive every year. Uh, I think it's a bell curve. I really do. I think that uh, it starts low, goes high, and then ends low again. So we're, we're so, in the, we're in the goes high we're, period. I, I, I would have believed that we're probably in the high period right now, yes. So to have the Maple Leafs, you know, the, so much is built on, and, and this drives every, other, every Canadian that isn't a Leaf fan nuts, uh, but so much is driven by the success of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and when the Maple Leafs can't get past the first round, you're, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem. It's because what, happen, what happens with, with hockey, is um, people will – the Stanley Cup final is always going to be okay. The numbers are going to be acceptable to turn a profit. It's, it's how you get to the fourth round of the playoffs um, without losing people. Because people will go away – when their team gets eliminated, people will go away for a week. Then they'll get into withdrawal and then, and then slowly come back, particularly if there's a Canadian team involved. So from, from that perspective, um, if the Leafs are out in the first round or out of the playoffs completely, 
Um, you've lost your largest market for two weeks, three weeks. And in that period of time, that's, that could be 17 to 20 games. And that's a lot of revenue. And if, and if the Raptors are going strong, you may lose them entirely. Um, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I think there's room for both. Um, uh, you, you know, the, 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 the Raptors are, have, were an amazing story, have been an amazing story. Um, and their, their numbers are finally where they, they should be. Um, but at the same time, uh, regular season numbers don't compare. Um, and, 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 uh, the magic that, the magic that, uh, that the Raptors gave this country last year, uh, will be difficult to match in the future. No, I just meant if the Leafs don't make the playoffs and, or get bounced in the first round, that void. Oh, I see. Early on. Yeah. Picked up by whatever the Raptors are doing. The Raptors are going to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, if they go beyond the first round. TSN and uh, Sportsnet and everyone else is going to lead with the Raptors, not the Stanley Cup playoffs in Toronto. As long as, as long as there isn't a Canadian team involved, you're right. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, you look at the playoffs today in the, in the NHL, uh, if they started today, gosh, uh, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Vancouver are in, as are the Maple Leafs. This would be, I mean, I'm sure there's a, somebody at Rogers saying, Let's, can we start the playoffs tomorrow? Right. So we have Seattle on the verge. Um, yep. So two things have been talked about a lot as it relates to the cap uh, in the National Hockey League. One is Seattle coming in, and the second is the expiration of the current deal with NBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone is talking about the digital rights and yada, yada, yada with everything that's going to go on. Um, and perhaps Gary's last big broadcast deal. I, I, I can't imagine he'll be around for the, a renewal of the Rogers deal, but who knows? Um, what do you think the deal looks like in the States moving forward? Uh, well, I think NBC still got a huge part of it. Uh, I, I think that they should be rewarded for what they have done. I, 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 quite frankly, I think NBC has done a marvelous job. Uh, again, on the cable side with NBCSN and with the, the, Saturday, the Sunday over the air games and, and the playoffs, I, I really do think that they have been a really good business partner for the National Hockey League. Um, uh, and you can, we can sit here and talk about announcers and we can talk about game coverage. The fact that the games that are on and in playoffs and even in regular season when there are, there's a ton of shoulder programming around hockey that NBC has done pre-games, post-games, uh, they, have done, they have done exactly what the league expected them to do and what NBC promised. They've done, they've done a really good job with the product. Um, that said, I still think that there's a, a, a whimsy to say, hey, how do we get on ESPN where uh, every show uh, that exists on ESPN revolves around uh, college football, the NBA, college basketball, and the NFL. 
And is there any way that we can, we as a game can get some discussion of the NHL back on ESPN? So I, I suspect that ESPN will be part of the next deal as well uh, without compromising too much of what NBC ha has done and will do. And then I think on the digital side, it makes all the sense in the world that, that uh, you're, you're, you know, the friends at the Walt Disney Corporation who own ESPN and own streaming services now uh, and have a huge um, portion of uh, uh, BAM, uh, Baseball Advanced Media, where the NHL network is produced, they end up with the digital rights. So that's where that's that's the that's what I see. I, I haven't talked to anybody. I'm just using a little bit of common sense and logic for what's going to happen. I mean, you we can sit here and talk about DAZN or Amazon or Yahoo or, or 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 any of the others that might bid for for hockey rights. Um, you know, but to me, uh, I think that uh, staying with traditional companies that have new investments in digital makes the most sense for the NHL. So we could, we could sit and debate the, how history is going to look back on Gary Bettman. Uh, the fans hate him. It's quite comical now. Uh, and kudos I feel, I feel I do, by the way, I do feel bad for that because uh, I, I did work for the man. Um, and uh, his heart and his brain are in the right place. Uh, and he's he has he's done very good things uh, for the owners, and he's done very good things for the growth of the league. Um, and but it's very easy to hate a commissioner. Very easy, very easy to boo. Very easy to do all that. I I I, I think the best way to describe Gary Bettman uh, to uh, to most people is I think he's terribly misunderstood. So early 90s I was sitting in my favorite diner in Burlington Vermont called the Oasis and the owner who happened to be a good friend of the late Tom Cheeks brought me my eggs as he always did and he threw the paper down in front of me and he said there's a basketball guy running the hockey league. <laughs> yep um, and that was in Burlington Vermont and that was the day that Gary Benton was announced as the new um, commissioner Mm -hmm. And that's, that's always been the biggest strike against him is that he came in as, how could you have a non-hockey guy running basketball? Uh, sorry, running hockey. Um, but as you said, you know, he, he instantly added Anaheim and, and Florida. The game has absolutely grown. And I don't think anyone ever saw a day where Rodgers would pay what they paid let alone what NBC paid what they paid. Do you expect that the, end, the, the deal in the U.S. is going to go up as exponentially as it did this time? No. Uh, podcasts, they, you know, they, they become legacies, so people could probably find this three <laughs> years from now when the deal's done. My expectation is, is that it will be, um, I, I think it will probably be close to $800 million um in the united states by the time it's over okay i don't think we'll and i and i i i know enough people at the league to say we got to get to a billion a billion is the number uh we got to get to a billion a year uh, i i don't see it but 
I certainly think that it will improve a great deal, which will certainly help the cap and help help teams and help help the players, help the revenue share. What's the number now from NBC? 200, 200. I would say that's an ex- that's exponential growth. Yeah, well, see, that's you're smarter than I am, Joan. I just <laughs> that, to me that's to me that's four times more. That's pretty big. Um, so, question for you. Um, this past week has, has been pretty interesting as a sports fan. Um, once again, uh, at not a great time, the Raptors president, Messiah Jury, has been the, uh, what is it, the apple of James Dolan's eye. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of suggestions out there by some pretty good, like if you listen to uh, your former radio station um, with Jeff Blair and Richard Deitch, I, I listened to one of their one of their episodes and and if you listen to it uh without them saying it he was as good as gone uh it was a fait accompli that he he was going to new york um if you read michael grange's article he had him as good as gone Uh, he actually said it in one point with a whole bunch of caveats his words not mine that he was gone uh dave festchuk had a similar article in the star um it is hard not to, to read a lot of tea leaves and think Messiah Jury is not long for the world with, with the Raptors. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that whole thing, having worked both in media and on the sports side for MLSE? Uh, well, and, and, and for the record, I was not there when Messiah was there. So Messiah and I have not worked. The, uh, the general manager of the basketball club when I was there were Glenn Grunwald, Rob Babcock, and and I I left I left in 2006 uh, from MLSE. Richard Petty was still running the company. Um, uh, I I I don't know what more Masai Ujiri can do in Toronto. Uh, he's won a championship. Uh, he has rebuilt the Raptors, a team that he had uh, fondness for because he was here once as assistant general manager. Um, so when you hear key guys in the market, like Grange talk about as good as gone, I, I, I think it comes from a pretty good source. Um, and I don't think MLSE is going to, I mean, I, I, he's already making a lot of money. Um, he doesn't need more money. But what you do need in, in a situation when you are trying to grow the game, not just in in North America, but around the world, uh, particularly in on the African continent, um, you need a, a bigger platform. And the Knicks are a bigger platform. And what better story to tell than to 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 be able to take the low-hanging fruit of the New York Knicks and reinvent the basketball world in in the in in what my view is is one of the great professional basketball arenas of all time i think madison square garden when the knicks are playing and the knicks are winning there's no place like it it's electric it's been a long time <laughs> i was gonna say you are much older than i am <laughs> yeah it's been a long time um hey listen when you're when, when nick fans are hanging on to willis reed walking through the uh <laughs> walking onto the court in 1971 or whatever year it was that uh, that that tells you something but uh, i i uh, i it, it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me that messiah is gone and i also it's interesting you talk about it there is a ton more notice in the last two weeks 
of what a good guy Bobby Webster is and Bobby Webster this and Bobby Webster that uh, almost to the point of, well, we, we, we better get this name out here because in the end he might be the guy running the basketball team. Well, there was one report that he was taking everybody with him, including Webster. Well, it's interesting you say that because I have been told by a few people uh, that, uh, that there's a lot of people within the Raptor organization that, that their contracts were not extended, even though they wanted job security for that very reason, for, for that very reason. That uh, that they wanted uh, they wanted to, that Masai wanted to take the whole lock stock and barrel to New York with them. So part of the undertones in a lot of the reporting um, is the good old and and history. You know, the best indicator of the future is the past. Is that MLSC has bungled this? That they, you know, the minute they won that championship, they should have walked in with an open checkbook and got him to sign an extension. Do you, do you buy that? Um, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, um, and I could, because I'm not, I'm not sure. First of all, I'm not sure they didn't. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he's, he had, he's, he's, he, at that point he, he had two more years or almost more two and a half years on his deal. I mean, at, at what point do you, at what point do you say, "Hey, listen, ten million is enough"? Uh, yeah, and and by the way, when you when you're a multi-sport franchise, um, and your your one team wins, and you do that for one side, what precedent are you creating for the other side when it wins? I think there 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 are a lot of ramifications of of doing something that are in my mind team so much more corporate orient, oriented than they are just worrying about one entity you know you've got a basketball team you've got a soccer i mean did did they go do that with bill manning did they do that at, on the soccer side at all uh, when when uh, when tfc won the uh, the mls cup i don't think so so how can you do it over there when you can't do it over there? And I think that there's there's a lot of things, a lot of elements within that that uh, uh, that uh, have uh, that created that. We're with John Shannon, believe in the press row. Are you okay for time? Can we go on for a couple more minutes? Yeah, my 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 audience here, my my two Portuguese water dogs are enjoying every word of it. So. Okay, so uh, let let let's wrap up the Maasai stuff. Uh, I've not heard this. This is just vacant space between my two ears. One thing they could offer him is to be president of MLSE. I know somebody currently has that role, but would that be a bigger challenge for him and, and something that might interest him? Hi, you know what? I, I think there are bigger challenges for him in the basketball world, not in the Toronto okay. corporate world. Fair enough. And, you know, I, I, I think that when you, when you consider the new pro league going in Africa, uh, when you consider all the outreach that Maasai has done uh, on that continent, um, to me, I, I don't think staying in Toronto really in many ways is the answer. So it seems to me that a conclusion could be drawn that, it, that he is going to leave. Uh, he may be taking his team with him. and. Although it's sexy and salacious to say that ownership blew this, there may not have been anything they could have done anyways. 
I think that's a lot closer to the truth, Jonah, than people realize. Okay. It just doesn't sell a lot of clicks. No, it does. No, it doesn't. But who cares? I mean, listen. Sometimes the truth is boring, and, and uh, which which is contrary to the world of sports talk radio that we have lived in for the last few years. Um, sometimes just telling the truth and stating the facts uh, is is just that, and it's it's as you said, it's not very salacious. So we 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 live in a world unfortunately, that we learned a couple of weeks ago, uh, where life is very precious. So I know the answer to this, but I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask it. Um, obviously, I hope he doesn't take helicopters, but Masai could get hit by the proverbial bus tomorrow and, and life would have to go on. Should he leave for New York or elsewhere and take Bobby Webster and others with him? How devastating is that to the Raptors? Well, I tell you what, the one guy I'm a huge fan of is Nick Nurse. Uh, and, and, you know, there, I think Nick has proven in many ways uh, to be uh, as valuable a commodity to this franchise as any. Uh, and I think he has a vision both on and off the court. Um, and, and by the way, the, the Bobby Webster thing, if I if I'm Bobby Webster, at a certain point I want to be Bobby Webster. I don't want to be known as Masai's assistant. And in the end, wouldn't it be better for Bobby Webster to stay, and run the Raptors, and his his own team, as opposed to running being the second guy to run Masai's team? Unless they they are such good friends, um, and I can I can respect that that they want to always be in tandem. To me, uh, what is never stated. Uh, particularly to your American listeners, is how big and influential Toronto is as a market. It really is the fourth largest market on the continent. Uh, and, you know, there's no ESPN. Uh, uh, and there's, there's n n no NBC affiliate here. Um, but it's a pretty damn good place to earn a really good living. It's the world's, in my mind, in the in the world that I've come from, Jonah, it is the greatest, largest regional network city in North America, because you have thirty. When you're doing basketball or baseball, you have thirty-five million potential viewers. Listening to Believe in the Press Row with John Shannon, and uh, this has been awesome so far. So I, let's just talk on on one last topic because we have to go there. Um, one of the cuts, uh, maybe a result of the NHL deal or the Maple Leafs' inability to get beyond the first round, uh, was one Robert McCowan, um, who certainly owned uh, the Toronto, if not the Canadian sports radio audience for mm -hmm. literally ever. Um, he certainly changed the game. He didn't change it. He created it. Yeah. Um, you were you were on the show either as a guest or co-host for how many years? I started doing roundtables in 1996. Was so on the time they start, I mean, they didn't. I don't think they. Started. No, I, we moved back to Canada. We we moved back to Canada uh, in 90 October of 93, 92 or 93. So sport and and. Um, 
so sports talk radio, I think started September of 94. Um, and so, and uh, then I started to go on, on a regular basis on the round table, which I, I loved the round table. I still love the round table. Um, and, and, and Bob was, Bob was as great a talent as in my mind there was in North America when it comes to sports talk radio. He was the best interviewer in the business, in my opinion. Nobody, uh, when he was engaged in the topic, he was the best. Yep. And, and that yep. was true on his last day. I mean, he hadn't, <laughs> as long as he was engaged, <clears throat> excuse me, engaged in the topic. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know I, I've been, I really have been blessed. Um, I have worked alongside and with, in my mind, the three greatest Canadian sports broadcasters, Dave Hodge, Ron McLean, and Bob McCallum. It has, and that part, I, I have sat as a spectator, as a fan, as a friend of all of them, and marveled at, at what they do and how they do it. Uh, it it's, it's funny, um, we're doing this uh, on, the, on the Monday after Pebble Beach, uh, and uh, Nick Taylor, a kid from Abbotsford, BC, wins, the, wins Pebble Beach. And I knew when we were doing the radio on the Monday, we would have that PGA winner on the show. And it was magic because Bob was engaged in golf and it became, it became such a, a, a joy to listen to Bob and somebody who probably had grown up watching Bob or listening to Bob on the radio who'd said, listen, this is, I, you know, I won Pebble Beach and I'm just as honored to be on your show, Bob. And that's, that, that's what today to me, I, it, it, was, it hit me more today than uh, many others that were not doing the show because this is a day Nick Taylor would have been on the show. And it would have been a really fun situation because Bob would have been in awe of Taylor's golf and Taylor would have been in awe of McCowan, the broadcaster. And to me, that's magic. Well, <clears throat> Bob was the Ted Koppel of sports radio. You knew that come four o'clock, whatever the story of the day was in sports, somehow uh, his minions would get that person on. And because it was always, I mean, not always, most often it was something very topical. Uh, it was must listen to radio. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, Bob's talents, uh, first of all, is a, a marvelous memory. You know, and every great broadcaster has, has great memory because you have to be able to retain and bring back at any point something that can create that thread uh, for, the, for the listener. Uh, Bob was as good, or Bob was better than anybody at that. Uh, Bob also knew uh, that magic elixir, that formula that didn't talk over too many people's head, uh, nor was so simplistic uh, that, you, that, that you, you felt you got nothing out of it. Bob had a great sense of drama. Bob, ha Bob had, I shouldn't say had, has. Bob has uh, a, a, a true belief in uh, what is entertaining. What, is, what can be educational. Um, and uh, it's, uh, he, he's, to me, he's, when I wasn't working on the show, 
uh, I had to listen because I may learn something. But what I really felt as a listener was that I was part of something special. Every day, Bob made me as a listener, not necessarily the guy sitting in the chair beside him, as a listener. I felt I was, I was eavesdropping on a couple of friends having a great discussion, and I would learn something. And that's a real talent to be able to do. Well, I think um, the first time ever, the fan is going to, to lose segments in a book uh, to the competition. I'm pretty sure that's never happened before. Um, do you think, you know, Bob's still relatively young. Um, do you think we will hear him on the airwaves again? I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, I don't know where. Um, I, I think he's enjoyed some time away. I think he's enjoyed some some uh, relaxation. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, I think he will at, at some point get the itch again. Um, and I, I think that uh, I think that whoever hires him um, will be for will be better for it. I mean, he's. He is still, it's funny, I, I, we, don't, we don't treat, the difference between Canada and the United States is we, we don't treat um, older talent uh, with near the, uh, the, the revering or respect that uh, most have had in the United States. When I, you know, Dick Vitale's not a young guy. Vince Scully certainly uh, wasn't young. Uh, Jack Buck was into his late seventies. Keith Jackson was in his late seventies. We don't. We we tend to we we tend to get rid of older broadcasters much quicker in our country. Uh, Bob Cole was an exception to that, um, but uh, that that truly he truly was on a list of a short list of people that. Uh, worked well into their seventies and eighties. Uh, we don't we don't do that very well in our country. I don't think. Hmm. And I, by the way, I huh, I'm sixty three, so perhaps I'm speaking from a little bit of a, of a bias. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, really, really enjoyed our time together. Uh, hope your dogs enjoyed it too. Claire is both asleep now. I must have done something <laughs> magic. I think that uh, I know. Uh, that there will be other media stories coming up that will be of interest to, our, to my listeners and to myself. And uh, I hope that I can ask you again to come back. Um, just tons of, tons more stuff I'd love to talk about with you. Okay, John, you're the only one I've done. So I guess uh, we're, uh, we're, we've kind of created an exclusive deal now. So. Awesome. So um, I won't abuse it. I will, not take the, <laughs> I will not take the picture down anytime soon. Um, I yeah, hope, please don't. I, no, I, you can't do that. Okay. You I take hope, the picture down, I'm done. You know that. <laughs> I hope that uh, whatever you hope for your future from a professional standpoint becomes fulfilled, whether it be back with a team, a league, a network, what have you. Uh, I know you do some teaching for our friends at the College of Sports Media, but I hope whatever yep. it is that John Shannon wants to do, he gets to do, and I know you will do it exceptionally well. I'll, I'll leave you with this. I, I, I am not a much of a reader, um, but I did just finish uh, Bob Iger's book uh, about his time of how he's ended up running the Disney Corporation. 
and it is a fantastic, simple read about uh, our business and about leadership. Uh, and uh, at 63, I think I took about uh, 10 pages of notes on and learned from it. And the one thing I can tell you is I don't think I've ever stopped learning. And, uh, and I have lived with the, uh, and people around me know this, I have lived with the slogan for the last 20 years, evolve or die. Uh, well, I have no intention of dying. Uh, and I certainly think that uh, every day that uh, I'm in this business and then I'm around it, that I have evolved. Uh, so there will be another challenge and it will be well worth it. And it will be a great ride when we do it. Awesome. Well, thank you. And, and again, we wish you nothing but the best. And uh, when news breaks in our world, uh, you can be sure I'll be sending you a note. And uh, thank you for doing this. Cheers. And uh, go down to Starbucks number one and have a latte on me. Okay. <laughs> thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.